back. It is GG No Reread. We did not disappear from the face of the earth. We are back and talking about books and video games once again. Liv, it is so nice to talk to you. It is so nice to talk to you, Trevor. I am so excited to be back talking about, um, you know, books. 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 That classic thing, books. I've been told uh, people read them. Uh, I've been told people write them. These are just some rumors that I've picked up since we started recording, uh, since the last time we recorded, excuse me. Um, can't confirm or deny it, but this is what I am told about books. And it's exciting. It's exciting that we're getting this information. It's um, also, it's exciting that this is slowly easing us into the spooky season. It's Because yeah. neither of these are really spooky uh, works. You weren't spooked out by them? No, but they're... They're spooky themed. I, I don't know where zombies fall in the in the spooky continuum. I agree. Um, I think zombies are zombies are confusing to me because they don't. I think they were very spooky when they first were imagined, right? Like Night of the Living Dead is a spooky, spooky movie to me. Um, it's not the scariest thing in the world when you watch it as, in like you know twenty twenty, uh, but because. Uh, this year, it's the real Living Dead, huh? Am I right? Um, but it is cool, like it's and it's creepy and has all the hallmarks of like a good creepy uh, movie. That said, I feel like zombies are now almost more like comedy or action than they are horror. Um, yeah, almost more like military themed like uh, yeah yeah 28 days later is like absolutely just like a military movie as opposed to a horror movie yeah but that's even more on the horror side i'm thinking like the walking dead oh sure and um you know call of duty has zombies and Mm -hmm. anyway even red dead has zombies it's it's sort of it, it kind of like adds um it adds a level of uh variety as opposed to actually being a uh a kind of like genre in and of itself. You never have like Call of Duty vampires or something, right? But wouldn't that be awesome? Maybe I would actually love pick it up. <laughs> I want Call of Duty Elizabeth Bathory. Um, <laughs> but maybe that's too dangerous. <laughs> I would hate if I died in that game. <laughs> I, I would hate it too. Uh, because if you die in that game, <laughs> you die in real life. <laughs> something that's uh, true of all Elizabeth Bathory themed works that's right anything anything that elizabeth bathory is interested in or uh performing for you understand that if you consume it uh you will die um anyhow uh i feel like we are on absolutely a good track to get to our point here Uh, (laughs) but we're 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 talking about a spooky game about zombies and a spooky book about zombies but I would say neither of them are particularly spooky. Hold on, let me kick Daisy out of the room. <laughs> Daisy, get out of here. One second. Come on, baby. Yeah, so neither of these, like the book and the game themselves are not particularly spooky. I don't know if you'd agree, um, but I was not scared by either of these games or book. So maybe we should just go ahead and introduce what they are. So- I guess that's fair. Yeah, maybe, maybe. The, the, well, so why don't you do that? So uh, the pairing for today Ooh. is mm-hmm. Zone 1 by Colson Whitehead. Um and Left 4 Dead, Left 4 Dead 2, the Left 4 Dead franchise. By, by Steam at all. <laughs> by Valve. Valve at all. Why did I say Steam? <laughs> I just think the company is called Steam now. The um, Left 4 Dead was, was a little spooky to me whenever the, I first played it, whenever I was, you know, 17, 18. Mm-hmm. And... You know, the witch is scary. The The Valve intro is scary. True. Oh, yeah. The Valve intro is still scary. When I played Alex, I was terrified because you get to see the guy with the like the, the handle in his head in VR, with which the, I got to tell you. With the Valve I in was, his head? I was not ready for it. Valve in his neck, I guess, is what it, what it is. 
Yeah, no, that sounds terrifying. But Zone 1 is not not spooky themed. I would say Left 4 Dead does try to be a little bit spooky. Um, There's some spooky more elements spooky to it, I guess. spooky themed. It, it feels kind of like a, a Nightmare Before Christmas style spooky. Okay, like I follow that. Spooky. I guess, like, for me, like, I wasn't thinking it was scary in the way that we, we initially were going to play Resident Evil for this, and then we decided that Left 4 Dead 2, or you decided, actually, it was your suggestion, and it was a very good one, um, to go for Left 4 Dead 2 instead of Resident Evil. I would say Resident Evil is, like, actively a spooky game. Um, yeah. It could, it could be pretty spooky to play. It's kind of, like scary to to walk around the rooms and 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 oh what's gonna what's gonna hop out at me or whatever um left 4 dead 2 was almost more like um it felt kind of like watching uh like evil dead 2 or something like that like a movie that is spooky but fun right yeah no i think that that's um that's true zone one however is kind of along the lines of what we were saying earlier about military themed zombie infection stories right yeah it is it is much more of a um i don't know how to put it like it is much more of imagining you know how do we contain a zombie apocalypse like what what do we do to make to make it through um as opposed to um you know we are trying to survive and the scary part of all of this is that like you know we're all we got and like this is a, a group of people that need to beat out the odds that's in there. But I would say like the focus of zone one, you're right. Is like, okay, so America is, and, and all these other places are no more because of zombies. Um, and so we're going to have to get some guns and figure out logistics and stuff. Yeah. So there, the way that the narrative works is it jumps around from um, kind of the start of the, the zombie apocalypse to most of it said in this the present where they're proactively trying to clear out New York City of zombies very strategically. So most of the story takes place in zone one where um, you've got a squad of about four or five people who um, go back and forth to different bases. It feels very like playing a video game that you you go out during the day you clear areas then you return to camp and restock it has that you're absolutely right like it has that feeling i felt that way watching and this is actually a movie, uh, a movie that we brought up the other i think we brought this up maybe it was you and i but maybe i forget who brought this up but i believe it might have been you and me it was uh was um oh uh shutter island uh, we were talking mm-hmm. about the other time when we were recording i think in after dark when you said you guessed the secret ending or the surprise, secret ending, surprise ending. The <laughs> Whenever you ending. click through on the DVD menu screen. <laughs> hey, there's extra tracks. Onto on Leo's left eyebrow and you see the, the secret <laughs> it's, ending. It's like a Homestar Runner Easter egg or something. <laughs> Just hold tab and you'll be able to see the secret ending too. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, like uh, Shutter Island, I remember watching and thinking, um, this feels like a video game to me. Like it feels like I'm watching a video game and zone one's the same way. Like it has that pacing. And I feel like this is something that a lot of modern things do. And I'm not sure if it's because video games are ubiquitous or because like, that's how I've trained myself to see things, but it is weird. Like it, it feels less like a novel and more like a survival horror experience. Yeah. And throughout the book, you, you see the ways that these like survivors have um, made themselves into myths um, that they, they really romanticize all of the different parts of um, the apocalypse. So like the, the night before everything happened, they call last night. So like Mm -hmm. capitalized Ellen last night. Um, And there's there's patriotic songs that go along with uh <laughs> with yeah, the you, different big you get the moments feeling, of the zombie you, apocalypse. Yeah, you get the feeling that Whitehead is trying to uh like do a satire with this, like almost like a nine eleven satire or something, but it it just feels like he's just acknowledging like, yes, there are um there are a lot of uh there's a lot of patriotism about last night because that's what ties us together. It doesn't feel like it's some sort of satire. It feels very on the nose. 
Yeah, I think that um, they lean, he leans into it in ways that I'm not so sure that it's um, always as critical of of how it's being treated as I feel like it could be. Um, yeah. And just whenever stuff comes up about, like, there's a, a socialist in one of the groups that our our main character briefly joins and it's like he he quickly goes like accelerationist and um yeah and there's anti-looting regulations and like it's just like not critical of like the most like interesting things that i think that they could be critical about um this also not that every book needs to be fun but this book is truly truly uninterested in being fun or readable which is weird because like so whitehead wrote this so like two context pieces the one which the audience might not know the one is that this is written um and i'm almost positive the uh the aim of the satire in it is against um occupy wall street uh, i'm pretty sure this is an occupy wall street book um for better or worse it, Occupy Wall Street is such like a nebulous event in retrospect that I feel like the you know you couldn't possibly have done anything but make a nebulous book out of it. Um, but the other thing to say is it's it's Whitehead's like genre novel after he wrote a bunch of art novels, um, and his art novels are great. I would say everyone should go read um, Underground Railroad. Um, I think Underground Railroad is brilliant. Um, it's one of my favorite books, uh, and I I like a lot of his books. Um, uh, the Intuitionist is quite good too, but um, I haven't read uh, Apex Hides the Hurt, so I can't say anything about that. But um, it is like it. I don't know. He's a he's a fun writer when he's writing um, like literary stuff. And you'd think I remember when this was announced, it was like, oh, cool, he's writing a genre book that's going to be even more fun. And none of the fun of the, of the literary <laughs> books is here. This feels like you're just getting through something. And I, I think it works at times. Like I, I, I understand what he's going for. So the one of the things that makes this book so hard to read is like how disjointed it is, and it's kind of hard to follow what timeline you're in. Like it'll just quickly jump around to different timelines and not not introduce it to you. It um, definitely not holding your hand into what you're supposed to be getting from the story. Right. It's, it's um, disjointed. It like, it feels intentionally disjointed, but it's extremely disjointed. I would agree. Yeah. So like one of the, the big things that the, they talk about with the survivors is the PA, PASD, the post-apocalyptic stress disorder, which is and an so, extremely lame term in retrospect. Like it just not good. It kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah. I don't like it. I, but I, just, I I think that that's kind of what he's going for is um, with the disordered narrative is is it reflects like a PTSD recollection of memory. That I thought you meant he was going for it being kind of like unsatisfying. And I was like, wow, you're giving him a lot of credit there. <laughs> I just think it was a bad <laughs> name. No, I, I, I would just mean that um, I think that it's intentional uh, because it's supposed to you know, reflect that PTSD, like disjointed recollection of memory that nothing really fits together. Um, kind of like a cinema kinda... verite sort of thing. Like we're going to tell the story the way that these people are experiencing it. Yeah. So it's, it's true to the narrator. Um, but again, not, yeah, it just, it isn't very read. fun. No. Um, and the, the other thing I'd say isn't fun is like, you know, one thing I really like about genre fiction, and I, I feel like this is this is not original at all, so it may be something a lot of people out there like about genre fiction in the audience. I don't know if it's something you like, Liv. We haven't ever talked about this. But um, one of the things I like about genre fiction is the way that it can kind of seamlessly uh, work as, as a kind of like, if not satire, then as a kind of um, reflection on a serious topic while giving you sort of a, a fun way to handle it. So like... What I'm thinking of is like, you know, the, I think like the central or the most famous version of this is uh, Dawn of the Dead, because Dawn of the Dead is like about consumerism. It takes place in a mall. Everyone's a zombie, whatever. Like this is not some sort of new original take. This is like essentially just the text. 
but it's fun. Like it's a it's a commentary on uh, consumerism that's enjoyable because it's a zombie movie, and so like it kind of you kind of get the uh, the hard stuff and the easy stuff, and you have fun learning. Like that's kind of the that's the ultimate promise of of um, genre stuff is that like you can enjoy yourself. You will be enjoying yourself, and maybe you will be doing something serious, but you will also be sort of getting a fun zombie story at the same time. Whereas like this doesn't this just feels like every every time there's a there's a commentary like some of the zombies um what are they called the stragglers or like mm-hmm. uh are are stuck they're like these zombies that are just stuck in the last thing that they were doing and typically it's like manual labor it's like mopping a floor or something and it, it just feels like whitehead has a sign flashing above that just says like the real living dead is uh employment under capitalism <laughs> it's just it ruins it completely it, it feels so ham-fisted um and like i i didn't find that fun well that's really hmm the way i did not find it very interesting how he he did it in this book but a book that i think does it better is um severance by ling ma which mm-hmm. came out like maybe two years ago um because all of it's it's another um, spoilers for for severance. Um, this really isn't spoilers. I mean, it's what the book's about. Um, that's like it's a pandemic. I mean, that's kind of like a there's a blurred line between like what's a what's a zombie fiction and what's a pandemic. Fiction. Sure, of course, yeah. Um, but all of the results of the infected is, is that you kind of like go through your, your daily routine again. Um, mm. and I, I just felt like it was more thought about and more interesting to, to read about. A full uh, disclosure. I screwed up and picked this book. Like I've taught this book before. There's a, the reason I've taught this book is because it should work. Like it's a, it's a fun genre book about a tricky subject. It's written right at, Occupy Wall Street, so like it can be interesting to it should be interesting to read about like in terms of like a complicated time made more interesting. Like there's all sorts of ways this should work, but I mean Severance sounds way more interesting, and I think the reason Severance sounds more interesting is because it takes it takes the problem of like okay, how do we make this uh, zombie thing into a, a critique on consumerism, and like it actually does something interesting as opposed to being like man, what if like what if we were zombies all the time because capitalism made us that way? <laughs> like, it, it, fine, I agree with that. But, like, Whitehead really does nothing super interesting with that. It's just kind of like it's rote. I'm not sure that I even fully understand um, what this has to do with Occupy Wall Street. I think, like, the I, all I know is that it was written in the aftermath of it. Um, or like right during it, it's an Occupy novel in some ways, like in terms of context. And I've always read it like you sort of get the sense of like menial labor personified. I think that's what he was going for. But like none of the metaphors really work. It feels very rushed. It feels like an economic book or a book about class that was written because class was at the moment. Um, it doesn't feel like his other work that just kind of like their books. This feels almost like a topic of the week thing. Mm. If that makes sense. I, I feel like there's there's brief, only brief discussion of class in, in this. And I feel like it could have been more thought about. Um, mm. Like the, what I'm remembering is like they're, they have to clear like a, a condo building because like these like well-to-do people are, are going to be moving into um, this like renovated condo. Like nothing's been going on. Mm-hmm. And like, right it's you know well decorated and um and you're like weren't, weren't we just like clearing zombies like on this street like what's going on what is this uh, place yeah <laughs> um but for most of the book i couldn't i couldn't even really tell you what it's about mm-hmm. yeah it feels i mean like i i think also like the one of the things that was supposed to be happening with this book and i'm guessing like i honestly like not a lot lands um, is what I realized in this read through. And I should say based on this read through and like remembering that I just am not incredibly impressed with it, I won't be teaching it again. I, I, I realized thinking about it from a different perspective that it is not, um, 
it's not the it's not helpful. Like it's not it's not as it's not as good as I thought it was. Let me say that. Um, but the I would say like the thing that it produces right um, in terms of like a I don't know an imminent critique of employment based on the 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 characters we have is something along the lines of like yeah you know they they're just as menial as the stragglers uh they're just like they're just doing something different they're clearing zombies but like it's not cool or like a a a crazy job or whatever like they're not action heroes they're just workaday schlubs like you know the zombies they're clearing out um and I don't – they don't expand upon it enough. It still is like – yeah, they are still kind of like heroes. They're clearing out a bunch of zombies. So, I mean, it doesn't quite work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think that there there are parts of this that – like we were talking about earlier that, that you feel like – like a video game. Like that everything mm. is like very – I don't know, very like pretentious like in how it's – presented um so like whenever uh, a person is new to a group um the main character mark spitz is um discusses like how people introduce like their backstory whenever like everyone's backstory is kind of like you know like this huge trauma happened to me and now i'm just like trying my best and so he splits it up into like okay, you can tell your your anecdote, your silhouette, or your obituary. like, And it's like these different styles of like introducing your backstory. And it's like, why are, why are you thinking about things like this? Like, it's like half him being like very pretentious like in how he's thinking and like half like truly boring. Nothing is good. You know, yeah, he's just yeah. like doing his his job. Like we were, we were saying, like he's just... I mean, all he's really doing right now is clearing zombies. So why is he then also like romanticizing? Like, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Like, it, it feels like um, there, it feels like there's a bit of like you're having your cake and eating it too. Like you want to have these, these like extremely jaded people just like clearing the streets and like, this is what it is like to be, you know, to, to kind of just like go through the motions under capitalism or whatever you want to call it or whatever Whitehead wants to call it. But like it truly is like they aren't rugged. They aren't like people going through the motions. They seem to have like very, very severe trauma too. So it's like, mm-hmm. well, are they, are they victims in the sense that they are unable to live their normal lives because they are re-experiencing this trauma that keeps activating or are they jaded? Like which one are they? They have to be kind of one or the other. You sort of have to pick. I don't know. I I would have never thought like whenever we started this, that I would be like, man, this Colson Whitehead book sucks. I know it really, it really is like, (laughs) I think, I think I kind of had Colson Whitehead blindness over it because I love Underground Railroad so much. Like, I really, truly think that's like a brilliant, I, I just really, truly think it's a brilliant novel. And like, I want this novel to be as smart. And it, it just is. It's, it might be as smart. He's he's not dumber or anything. It's not like he, uh, he like, you know, lost the ability of his, um, I don't know, he didn't lose the ability to write or whatever. But he just – this is not a good book. It's not great. It's like it's, – it's at best mediocre. I wouldn't suggest mm. reading it. Yeah. Another – one oh, more personal pet peeve in this book go is ahead. it does – this thing that so many books do and I don't understand why is that they'll like talk their way around saying a brand name in a way that's like so annoying. Like yeah. they'll just like be – I think it's in this book that he's like – it's a coffee place from the Pacific Northwest and there's a mermaid as the logo and the baristas, you know, like, and it's like very clearly like describing like Starbucks or something. And it's like, why are you making me think about Starbucks so much? I mean, maybe that's your point, but like, oh my gosh, over and over again that he like describes his way around saying a brand name. Yeah. And it like that, that ends up being like what passes for, for critique too, where it's like, you know, like, oh, I got you thinking about that brand, didn't I? Like, oh, gotcha. 
And it's just, it isn't interesting. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's a little frustrating. You're just like, I, I'm pretty sure this could have been done more interestingly. I'm a little disappointed. This is where it ended up. It just makes me wonder, like, is, is zombie fiction over? Like if mm. he can't write a good zombie fiction book and it's like, okay, this just reminds me of like the walking dead, which I hate. And then, um, cause it, it's, at the end of the day, pretty fascist and oh yeah, yeah. What well, the Walking and, Dead? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then like I tried to watch it. It comes at night, which is like kind of also along the lines of like this or the Walking Dead, where it's like okay, is it you know like you don't know exactly what the the zombie part of it is, but you kind of like have hints of this outside world. And then that movie ends up being fascist too. Like, and it's like so well loved. And I'm like, what am I missing? Like people are clearly getting something out of zombie fiction that I, I am not. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, it's weird, right? Like I, I feel like, I feel like zombie fiction is, I feel like zombie fiction is living in the same way that like my esteem for this book was living, which is to say like, the, uh, you know, Night of the Living Dead is legitimately still a shocking movie in some ways if you watch it now. Like, the, there's a scene where, um, like, the, a death is shown by silhouette that is legitimately shocking. Um, the end of the movie, if, if I won't spoil it, because if you haven't seen it in the audience, you should just go see it. It's, it's a pretty fun uh, movie. The ending is uh, chilling. Uh, it deals with racism in, like, a really sudden and interesting way. The movie is, like, you know, it's fun, but it's old. It's like a '60s horror movie. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't have any gore. It doesn't like. Its pacing is slow, but it's 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 a legitimately interesting movie. Um, as is Dawn of the Dead, and then like a lot of like the Italian horror is fun and stuff. But like, I feel like there's this understanding that those movies were interesting, so zombie fiction must always be interesting. Like there always has to be something going on, right? Because like it's a zombie thing, and we know zombies are about like society, not just about monsters and i wonder if like it's time to officially say that zombie fiction is just about monsters and if it's about society it's kind of obnoxious mm. i think there's only so many ways you can talk about you know consumption because that's what zombie fiction is about is yeah. you know like consuming the body the destruction of the body um Certainly only so many ways you could talk about it without then becoming obsessed with um, regulating it too, which is where the fascism comes in. <laughs> like, you know, if you, if you want to talk about the body and then like your go-to is like, well, how do we kill this zombie horde that keeps consuming things? I, you, you're going to get fascist pretty quick. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I would, I would, be interested to see if there's something else out there, but I just feel like it's always kind of about capitalism, but it's never interesting. It's like kind of like the most lukewarm take on capitalism. Yeah. It doesn't seem to be like real radical thinking that drives anyone to make a zombie fiction about, about capitalism or consumerism. Yeah. It always ends up being, I think you're right. Like I think ultimately, and this might be it. Like, why Dawn of the Dead was interesting in the 70s and not interesting now in the same way is that, like, it feels like every other piece of fiction has gone beyond that, but you still get the same basic thing in Dead Rising uh, in, like, 2010 or whatever when it came out where, like, the argument is, like, oh, man, people buy all sorts of crazy stuff at the mall. Like, it's, <laughs> you're like okay, yeah, I, I agree. Our, house is full, our houses are filled with, like, and our apartments are filled with junk and that we probably don't need. Like, this isn't helpful. <laughs> What what are we talking about? Like, why are we why are we bothering with this? Um, and and in many ways, that's sort of what Zone One feels like. Like they wander through these empty buildings in New York, and like the undercurrent seems to be something like, "Oh man, all these buildings used to be businesses, and now they're not." Like, but nothing really seems that different. It's like, okay, yeah, I get it. Like, working is not the best. Like we, you know. Can we get beyond that? I think you're right. Like it is. Because that's already the tagline for this show. Yeah, so. exactly. Working is Pick not new the one. best. <laughs> I've had as my banner the thing from Love and Rockets where they just say, I hate work, work hates me. Like that's that's just like, it's basic. And like if, you know, Jamie, if I'm Hernandez can say it in like one panel better than you can say it in a whole book. I mean, in some ways that's just bad luck because Jaime Hernandez is a genius, but 
on the other hand, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe you should work on your, maybe you should work on your, the economy of language that you're dealing with. I don't know. Hmm. And it's so interesting to me because that you use that word because there's something, there's a, a blurb on the back that says, um, I love the blurbs cause they, they're so vaguely positive. Whitehead, Whitehead writes with economy. Because he does not write with... I, I truly feel like they decided what they wanted to say before they read the book. Um, something that... Whenever you're talking about Night of the Living Dead. So I just found out recently. I was watching the, the horror noir documentary um, on Shudder, which is all about um, black horror uh, actors, directors, just like... Oh, interesting. Black black horror film history. That sounds great. Um, It's really good. Um, But something that I learned from that was Night of the Living Dead was not, like, they were not seeking to cast a a black actor in the main role. Oh, really? Which is, you know, it becomes such a different movie. um, It's a much worse movie if it's a white character. I mean, the, the ambiguity at the end where he's killed and you're not sure they killed him because he's black or because they thought he was a zombie is just... Sorry, spoilers for Night of the Living Dead from 1963. <laughs> um, but like that, that makes it so much more interesting. Like that's that's the movie. I don't I don't know how to say any different than that. But I'm um, also not that I, you know, it's it's hard to say what I what I'm just my gut feeling is like I I don't think that they talked about. Um, or that Whitehead wrote about the main character being black until the last maybe like ten percent. Yeah, it's literally it's 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 thrown in. Like, and I hate saying that because it makes it sound like oh, he didn't even mean it or something. Like, that's not what I mean. I I literally mean like it just feels like at one point he's like oh, and uh, by the way, like I'm black. It's not. I don't know. It it, it doesn't. It lacks any punch. Basically, there's no but point to I it. Don't, well, or is there? I don't maybe, know. Maybe that is the point to it because I I don't think that um, especially white readers should go into a a novel written by a black author and be like, well, this is going to teach me something yeah. about race. Very reasonable. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so I don't I don't know. I I don't have fully formed thoughts on on if if I'm missing exactly what if he means something bigger than just like mentioning it. Cause I think it would be okay just to mention it. Um, and it, but I, yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure. Um, it is, but I mean, something you said before, um, about like the way that they treat personal experience, especially with like last night stories. I think like the reason I expected it to mean something is in part because of the way they treat every type of subjectivity in the book where like every kind of subjectivity you have is like, it speaks to some element of your character where like, oh, you know, like, you know, this is what it means for me that I, you know, lived through uh, uh, the last night or like, this is my cross to bear in terms of like what the zombies mean to me. And so like, it felt like, well, everything else has like a meaning. Um, Should this also have a meaning? Which like maybe Mm -hmm. is the right question to be asking and in terms of like, well, why do I expect it to have a meaning? Like what does that say about my anticipation of what a black author is saying about race? But like it didn't feel like there was a critique there when – I'm trying to think of a good way to say this. Didn't feel like there was a critique there even though um, you would think based on everything else in the book that that would be the moment for critique. Mm. I guess is what I would say. I guess my my feeling is like so the the narrator is always referred to as Mark Spitz in this book, but that's not his real name. Right, that was the name that was given to him, and it's he was named after a, a swimmer. And the narrator thinks, okay, I think this was a racist joke, you know, based off of just like racial racial stereotypes about um, swimming, and um, and so like it's. I guess interesting in that way that it's like, okay, well, we haven't really discussed race in this book. And so maybe this is like, it's like treated as like both like an equalizer and also like, well, clearly not because they're still making, you know, racist jokes that we've just, that he's just kind of had to accept and move forward with and just right. be like, okay, that's not my um, huh. biggest concern right now. So I, th- I think that 
there's something, yeah, there's something interesting there. And I would be, I guess, more something that I need to, you know, read, read more reviews from or, you know. Yeah, no, that's a good Whitehead point. Whitehead talking about it. Um, I guess I, I hadn't really considered that as, as, as anything but sort of like uh, a, a strange aside at the end of the book where I guess because the plot for me at the end of the book sort of feels like it's falling apart a little bit. Um, and so like that got caught up in it, but I think you're right. That's a much more interesting reading and like probably something that is a lot more needed as a reading than, um, just sort of being dismissive. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so maybe then it's like, okay, well, were you assuming he was white? Right. You know, yeah, like, yeah, with yeah. his white name, like, you know, Mark Spitz, right. So I, I think that there's probably something more elegant that he's going for than, than the interpretation that I just gave, but I'm not sure exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's a, that's probably the most interesting thing in the book because all the other stuff feels, um, and again, like from especially based on his other work, it, it feels like so incredibly on the page. Like there's not, it's almost like he didn't, if he was writing a, it almost feels like he knew he was writing a genre book and didn't trust his readers to get more literary points. Cause like mm. the, 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 the things like the stragglers and stuff like that are, I mean, they're just like, they, they are so obvious. It's very like, telegraphed. Hmm? Yeah, exactly. It's very telegraphed. Yeah. Telegraphed. And even like the different zones, like where you sort of get like the militarized zones and like, oh, these zones are full of people who are all very lazy about their job, even though they were very keyed up initially, like that spits in his, his crew too. Like all that stuff feels like, okay, so you're talking about work, you're talking about labor, you're talking about governance. Like all that stuff feels very, I don't know, like I get it. Um, I get what you're going for, but it's not interesting. It's just very right there. It almost feels like he's, he's um, I don't want to say dumbing down because I don't think he's doing it maliciously, but it, it doesn't feel like it's as complex as say, you know, that reading of Spitz's race, which I think is is very much on the table as like a, a super complex like, argument about like, well, what did you expect from a black author vis-a-vis -vis representation? Um, which is much more of something that like you'd see in a book like, or it is something you'd see in a book like, um, like Underground Railroad, which is all about black authors and representation and what, what one would expect when, you know, and what does it mean to expect that, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like, I think, I think you're onto something there. Hmm. I think probably the, the most, I don't know. There were times that I did like laugh in the book. Like the, there was just like something very like ridiculous. And I think one of the things is that um, basically every character has their own like weapon loadout. So there's like the girl who always uses the ax and like, you know, like everyone has their favorite weapon, which is very, very left for dead. It so is very left bridging, for dead. Yes. Bridging into the other half of this discussion is, is how this relates to um, or what we see in, in this and left for dead. So, I mean, right there. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think like, you know, the, the trick between connecting this game with connecting this book with a game is I think not focusing. And, and again, like you, you sort of nailed this, not focusing on the content of the book, like, Oh, we need a game with zombies as we were sort of thinking with resident evil. But in fact, like you need a game that sort of reflects the structure of the book. And I think Left 4 Dead is, like, it is a squad-based game, and this is a squad-based book. And so, like, I was taken by how much the squad uh, makeup in Left 4 Dead feels like Zone 1, but a much more fun version, and a version in which I care about the characters more. And again, like, I, it's not like the characters in Left 4 Dead 2 are particularly well fleshed out. Um, they aren't. It's not the point of the game. But, like, the, the characters are sort of, like, charming in a particular way. And I think you could, like, you could argue that maybe this was something Whitehead was going for. Maybe this is something, like, he wanted, you know, interchangeable people in a, in a genre that is known for having, you know, uh, uh, bombastic heroes and stuff like that. Or he wanted, he wanted to show how extreme circumstances can be made into... Uh, extremely um, uh, average or or mundane ones over time, uh, but there's just something much more gripping about the the teamwork elements in Left for Dead too than there are in like even the sort of like very discursive team based heavy elements of uh, of Zone One to me anyway. 
Mm-hmm. I think also you see the same thing reflected in... Um, so the characters you're playing are basically interchangeable, but like the enemies. So there's like the mindless horde that are just like the basic enemies. And then you also have special enemies in Left 4 Dead. So you have like the, the boomer that spits um, slime everywhere. Classic, or, classic villain. I think probably uh, the most, the most uh, remembered uh, special bad guy from that game. I think maybe the witch would be very that the witch creeped me out. Um, okay. Very, very much whenever I first played it. Um, but just that you have these different special enemies that are visually differentiated and um, skill differentiated from the horde, which you kind of see in zone one that they really make a, a differentiation between the skills, which is kind of like the mindless horde right. that um, don't have any kind of, um, their muscle memory is just the basics to like the, the physics in this um, or the logistics of the zombies is like they can open doors in zone one. And it's like briefly mentioned. It's not that interesting. Yeah. Right. Um, but then you have the, the stragglers who are going through their, their special routines. And so you kind of have that same, um, setup where it's like okay you have the the boring zombies and then the cool zombies and, and <laughs> right, maybe you yeah. get maybe you get that. a little You're right <laughs> or even like uh in left for dead that you'll have like clown zombies and so like maybe they retain a little piece of what they were um after the fact yeah or even like the zombies that are uh that like latch on to you and stuff you're like ooh, those are like they have special like powers and abilities that make them like far more interesting and, and w worth noting. Um, even if it doesn't have anything to do with their personality or, or, uh, abilities, it, it's, it's just kind of like, Oh, I, I gotta watch out for them. They, they have like a name in the credits, whereas the other zombies, it's like, Oh, just, you mm. know, they're just the normal guys. Let's get rid I of them. I think that it, that's one of the things that makes left for dead a more interesting zombie fiction to me is that, something about being infected has like transformative qualities where mm -hmm. it's like, okay, well they can do stuff that they couldn't do before. Like yeah. <laughs> they're Fair huge enough. and they can explode now. They're they're Um, yeah, they can lash out their tongue and, and pull you in. Like, so I think that that's more interesting than just like uh, watching bodies be, you know, destroyed. Yeah, I agree. And I think like, you know, one of the things that makes me kind of wonder as we're having this conversation is like whether or not zombie fiction is kind of like problematic as a genre. And I, I use problematic in the in the least politicized way here because uh, I don't think I don't mean as as politically problematic. I mean, it simply as like maybe it is hard to write as genre fiction because the more you have a plot in a zombie piece the less the actual sort of like fun, interesting, enjoyable stuff about it will hit, right? Like, mm -hmm. I think like what you're describing in Left 4 Dead is not set dressing in the sense of like, oh, you know, it doesn't matter, but set dressing in the sense of like, oh, this is like, this is stuff that makes the world. It's like a world building exercise as opposed to, oh, and like, here are the stories of these people. Like, it's far more effective to like think like, okay, these zombies exist in the world and this is the world that exists vis-a-vis -vis, like the infection as opposed to like, okay, I really need to know my main character. I need to know what their story is. I need to have a fleshed out world of like, what are these zombies stories? What's the narrative that's happening here? Like maybe, maybe ultimately that's like not helpful in zombie fiction. I don't know. I just, I, I truly cannot read another grim zombie book or, you know, like, there, I think that that it's just been done. Mm -hmm. No more, no more grim zombie fiction. Whoa! Anyone writing any grim zombie fiction right now? I have bad <laughs> news for you. <sighs> uh, it's done. It's over. <laughs> um, I guess what I what I, what I want to ask you is, do you feel like there could be a book that gives you the same sort of sense of like camaraderie? as Left 4 Dead. Because one of the things about Left 4 Dead that's so fun is it is a uh, a cooperative video game. So like you can 
you can interact with your friends, you could you could team up, you can do all sorts of fun things like that. And it kind of it almost has like an unfair advantage over the novel form because that is a a very singular activity. You can talk with people about it afterwards, but like you're the one doing it. Do you think there's like a way that you could have like a discursive kind of communal event in the same way as Left 4 Dead? Or does the video game just like, is that just like a natural uh, thing it can do it that books can't? So you, you mean like actually like connect with other readers in that way or that in the book it's... In the uh... book. Just makes you feel that way. Like I'm sure there could be like a gimmick where you log online or something like that. But like something in a, something in the way that like, um, if you read really good horror fiction, it can make you feel as scared as playing a survival horror game. You feel that sort of like creeping dread or fear of what's coming up next on the, on the following page, that kind of thing. Um, could we have a kind of like camaraderie that zone one's going for that is as good as the camaraderie in left for dead? Hmm. I think that you could, there's plenty of, uh, like fantasy books that, deal with um I, I don't think squad is the right word but maybe like there's like a a heist or something and then mm. there, there's that com um camaraderie between between those characters or even something like i don't know i don't want to say dune because dune is kind of like dude's in the news <laughs> Dunes in the news. That's the only reason I'm thinking about it. But just that each person has their own skills in that way. Or maybe, honestly, maybe like Harry Potter or something like that. I feel like young adult fiction goes, you know, tries to do that um, more than adult fiction tries to to base things around friendship. I think Harry Potter is a really interesting example. And I, I know it's like kind of a, a, uh, a disgraced example <laughs> in its own way. But... Um, it is uh, – I, I remember reading those books and feeling a sense of camaraderie with them. Like I feel like a lot of the the connections people have to Harry Potter are about like wanting to be included in that group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just that each person brings their own skills to the table and it would be impossible to, to do anything without all of, all of the pieces of the puzzle. Yeah, yeah, so. that's a good point. It's like um, – yeah, maybe, you know, maybe it's not so much that the plot in Zone 1 makes it, like, less fun. Maybe it's more that the 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 fact that everyone is depersonalized as sort of a political, ob- like, a, you know, it's a political choice to depersonalize them. Um, maybe that just kind of, like, ruins the sense of, like, individual qualities that are kind of key to a good fun romp of like a squad or a zombie group trying to survive or whatever. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not really sure. Like I see the choices that he made and I'm not sure what we're supposed to get out of it. Like kind of the ending to the book is not satisfying in, in any sense. It's just kind of like you have to, you have to go with the flow or, you know, like there, there is no being a hero. There is no, um, you know, setting yourself apart from from the rest of the the workers or i don't know i just i don't really i don't grasp what he's going for i don't either i i always found the end of the book to be really confounding like the 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 way that the the way that the wall just kind of falls apart or or breaks down um despite their best efforts like Sure, I guess there's like there's a version of that where it's like, oh, it's a um it's you know, it's a metaphor for how, you know, you can you can hold the id of the social or whatever. Like I guess there's a way to understand it, but like it never worked for me. It always felt like if if there's like a an idea of personal camaraderie here, even a little bit, it is completely undercut by everything breaking down. Um yeah, I didn't. Mm. I didn't understand why that happened. I think it's also a hard time to read this book right now, mm. like in the midst of. You know, I read this book a couple months ago now, um, or at least a, a month or so ago, mm-hmm. being in in lockdown and not really going out, and that's kind of what this book is is about. Is really about a, a pandemic, and then just the way that he depicts the beginning of the pandemic is so 
eerily close to, you know, how we felt. Um, like he talks about you're like numbly scrolling through your smartphone to to see where the local clinics are that you can go to and that there's just like contradicting health information being put out there and politicized. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, okay, I don't, you know. Yeah, yeah. right. It's just, it's you were right. You were right, Mr. Whitehead. A little close to home <laughs> right now, Colson. <laughs> please, please tone it down a little bit. Yeah, I can understand that. I think like there is there is a level at which like this book was like the the time for reading this book might have not been right during the pandemic, even though there's like a quality to it that like you're like, oh, it's or I was like, oh, it's it's uh, it's topical. Um, maybe it's topicality in that sense just felt a little almost. I mean, maybe, may, you know, it's topicality might have even felt a little crass just because we were going through it. Like and mm-hmm. I, I assume like people didn't. Well, I know that people didn't have a good idea of what a pandemic would be like when he wrote it. Um, so yeah, it could have it could have honestly just been a very bad time to read this. But I mean, he gets the yeah the mun like how everything just becomes so mundane and numb after a while. Like okay, yeah, there's a worldwide pandemic going on. I still have to go into work every day. Right. Um, just like how boring everything is, like at the apocalypse, like. <laughs> It sucks. Yeah. It's not, I mean, and I, I guess I like that it's not glamorized in that way, but I I could have gone without reading, you know, 300, 400 pages about it. And once again, I have to apologize for uh, suggesting that you do. <laughs> uh, no, no, I agree with you. I think, I think there's like, it is, it is like, it's not particularly enjoyable in any um I don't know. Like, I don't know what to say. It's not enjoyable in any way that I would say like, oh, definitely go read this book. Like, it'll be valuable to you in understanding like what the pandemic is about or like what it's like to be in a pandemic. Like, no, you, you really don't have to. <laughs> it, it could just be you, you never have to read this book. Um, and I think that's like another weird thing for me, like actually saying and, and meaning like, yeah, you know, you could go without reading this. Don't worry about it. Like I've said that about like you know, beach reads or whatever, but like, it's a book by one of my favorite authors who I think is a, is a very good author. And it's just like, you don't worry about it. Like you can skip this one. That's very weird. Like it's just, it feels weird to say, but I, I think it's probably the case. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Zone one. Sorry. Zone one. Not your best work, Mr. Whitehead, but, but uh, alternatively, uh, this was the first time that I've played Left 4 Dead 2 in like 10 years, and it was still really fun. I, like, loved I was surprised it. at how fun and sharp it felt. Like, I remember I tried to play TF2 a couple years ago, which is basically the same game, and I was like, oh, I'm lagging all over the place. Like, everything's so imprecise that this is a chore to play. But Left 4 Dead 2 did not feel like a chore to play. Left 4 Dead That's, 2 was very fun to play. Yeah, that game still whips. That's, yeah, very, yeah, absolutely it whips. That's exactly the right word for it. It's so good. Like, it's so fun. It's like, um, honestly, it's, it, it's, it is like a kind of like a breath of fresh air. It, it's just very good. Um, I didn't, I didn't end up getting to play with other people cause I was too scared that I wasn't good enough and I would, uh, make people angry with me. So I played by myself. Um, but even with like computer people, it's, it's great. Like it's, it just feels good. It feels better as a zombie shooter than like, I don't know, any zombie shooter I've played in the last couple of years. Like it's just really good. Yeah. And I love the, um, like how cinematic it feels and that each, each level is very, um, I don't know campy in its way and oh yeah just a a good one it it really covers all the bases that you could want in zombie fiction like okay well there's you know zombie clowns there's uh zombies in a shopping mall there's zombies in the swamp like what what do you want what else do you want from a zombie fiction yeah what more could you possibly want and if there's anything you do want then you're just being uh you're just being demanding at that point yeah quit being so demanding um, no, I agree. I think, I think, um, it is, it is like if, if I was hoping that, uh, zone one would be like a fun genre piece, um, that I could enjoy, uh, while also kind of making me think and being well-written or whatever. Um, 
Left 4 Dead 2 is actually just like the enjoyable part of that just writ large. Like it, it, it's a, it's a pleasure to play. It's like, I, I have nothing bad to say about it. It's super fun. And there's not a lot of depth to it. Like, you know, emotional or, you know, uh, 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 uh thematic depth. I'm not going to tell you it's like the smartest game of all time, but it also doesn't try to be, and it doesn't have to be. It's just, it's just like mm. a very good time. Yeah. It's not super interested in telling you why this is happening or what you're supposed to get out of it. Um, which it's weird because zone one is kind of like that too. And like, well, there's really no meaning to any of this. And it's like, okay, well, you've been talking about it for quite a long time for, you know, nothing to mean anything. Um, yeah. So it's like, you might as well just make it flashy. Yeah, I think that's right. Like, I think the, the, the fact that it, it Whitehead's like uh, saying, saying this as a, as a kind of like existential statement, just makes it feel like, okay, like, if you're not going to give us the plot, again, like, it feels as if, like, there's a structure here or a skeleton in Zone 1 that could be kind of interesting, and then it's so overdetermined at every corner that it's like, oh, this isn't really a fleshed-out skeleton of, like, a story. This is just, like, a, a an idea about society that you've kind of laid over this novel. Um, it's not, and it, it, it's, you're right, like, it's not fun. It's also interesting that you get this only from one perspective, too, if it's kind of like everyone's depersonalized. So why not just like give us someone else's point of view um, if everyone's kind of reduced to to nothing as it is? But. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Like it is. Um, yeah, it's it, it is like there are a lot of attempts at. I don't know, fairly interesting ideas here in terms of like, oh, like let's write a zombie novel where, you know, the 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 people killing the zombies are just as zombified. Or like let's write a zombie novel where, you know, the 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 heroes are all kind of the same or what you know, whatever. There's 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 approaches here that could work. But they're all kind of like they all kind of miss the point of what's fun, right? <laughs> like about about this genre. Like they miss the point that's like enjoyable. Um and I think, uh, I don't know, I think that matters. I think one other thing that I feel in in this book and The Walking Dead, and not that it's like a failure in the writing, because like clearly they didn't want to, but I'm so, I don't care to see New York City. Like what, what else is going on in the rest of the world? Because I know stuff is going on other places. And I guess that's why I actually like did enjoy I read World War Z for like a, mm. a college class in like 2010. And like, I thought that was interesting because you kind of get these perspectives from all kinds of people from all around the world. And it's like, that's, you know, a more interesting zombie fiction story to tell, I think, is like cultural perspectives, people trying to um, capitalize off of off of a pandemic, um, just different problems that could. Yeah could present themselves but yeah i totally get that i mean it is it is a it's like uh i think that's actually kind of like a wonderful little like encapsulation of why it's a why like it's like almost a less interesting narrative than the non-narrative of left for dead 2 and that like left for dead 2 at least gives you like four very different people you could play as like they're all very different um and it's very clear that they're different and they sort of can fight with each other or they bicker or whatever, but they all have each other's back. And it's like, okay, I have four different perspectives here. They are not fleshed out, but they're different. Whereas Zone 1, it's like, okay, let's just cut to the chase. New York's the capital of the world and we only really worry about what's going on there. So here are a bunch of New Yorkers dealing with the apocalypse. Like, you're welcome. <laughs> it's very... Only in New York City, baby. It kind of has Yankees brain. Like, it's, it's a bit like, it's a bit frustrating that way. I, I think you're mm -hmm. right. Which, I mean, you know, like you are saying, it was, like, written during Occupy, and, like, it, it was clearly a choice to set it in New York, but was that the story that we needed to tell at this time? Right. I don't know. Yeah, and I think, like, in in retrospect, we might have, we might have better vision, like, uh, after the fact than he had during it, like, a lot of Occupy, but, like... I don't know. Like it, it just kind of, I don't know. It's, 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 it's an unsatisfying novel because it never, it never really makes a good point And it also is not fun to read. So you sort of just are waiting for both to hit and they never really do. 
Yeah. I guess also the blurbs are just like, wow, action-packed. Can't believe it spirals to there. And you're like, okay, well, I read to the end. I, I didn't see that happening, but um, I believe you, Esquire. Yeah. Um, Esquire absolutely uh, read the book before it said that. Yeah. Let's be, uh, let's be completely honest. Um, well, yeah. No, I, I think, like, ultimately what this taught me is that the highbrow thing does not – and it's not like I didn't know this, but, like, the highbrow thing does not need to be uh, the be-all, end-all. The, the lowbrow fun thing can also be um, the best. Like, I, it could be way more fun. Yeah, and that um, genre fiction has, you know, I wouldn't say it's always looked down upon, but, you know, you privilege literary fiction over genre fiction, and sometimes genre fiction just does it right. Yep. Yeah, I think you're right. Like it's it's not a matter of it's not a matter of like so this and IQ84 came out like side by side effectively the the um uh Murakami book. Um mm-hmm. and I remember the discourse being like, "Oh, sweet. Colson Whitehead's doing a zombie novel and Murakami's doing a take on 1984. Both of these are going to be so good." And Neither book was especially well received. I think IQ eighty four has like more champions than than Zone One. I think it's been more liked over time too. Yeah, it felt like everyone hated it at the time, and now people people yeah. are liking it a bit more. Which is, I mean, that's very that's like makes sense given its length and like approach and stuff like that. But the the like it's interesting that the whole world kind of just was like, oh, sweet. Two literary masters, these genre fiction books are going to blow everything else away. Where, like, the – yeah, they're wonderful writers. Uh, Whitehead and Murakami are two of my favorites, but they also aren't genre writers. Like, they don't write genre fiction. And so, like, it's funny that we can say, like, oh, you know, like, pedigree or, uh, I don't know, like um, – uh, ability that is like denoted by you know where you went to school or how many you know Nobels you have or stuff like that doesn't matter it's all about like you know sometimes the best genre fiction can be written by a total nobody but it's amazing how like we don't believe that until <laughs> it's like shown to us it's like no this is not as good as other genre fiction even though Colson and perhaps because Colson Redhead wrote it wrote it mm. I think you see the same thing in like uh people being disappointed in like prestige horror or, Mm. you know, prestige television. It's like, you know, sometimes these people who have made, you know, horror genre films forever are just going to, and it's a little bit punchier and doesn't have like the pulled back literary approach. It's going to be more interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, I think there's a there's a craft to it. Maybe is is the way to put it. And like, um, this book doesn't really have the craft, and the uh, the film, the craft has. That's just kidding. Uh, the game Left for Dead too has the craft to it. It's it's sort of uh, successful. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well. I think we covered it. Um, and and uh, just to tease, we have a sufficiently spooky uh, next pairing coming up as well. So I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. It's going to be good. It's a um, classic, Are You Afraid of the Gigi No Reread After Dark? <laughs> and, and if we can get Kurt on uh, having not read the book or played the game just to uh, confuse him and force him to say things midway through our conversation, I feel like we should. Yeah, yeah that's important. All right, Liv. Well, thank you for being here. Uh, I'm sorry the book was uh, a little less uh, enjoyable than our, our other things, but, you know, it's okay. We don't always... I think it's still uh, interesting to talk about things that we don't like. And I think that um, we have historically liked everything else that we've ever read or played, and it's about time that we don't like something. Yeah, yeah, it's it's true. Um so uh, next time we're doing uh, Ayn Rand's The Fountainhead and uh, Bioshock Infinite, right? Stuff that we know we'll love. <laughs> time for a change of face. <laughs> well, Liv, thanks so much, and uh, and um, we'll see you next time.
Oh, uh, follow yeah. Live A V E Y Club, A V Club on Twitter. Oh, follow Hagelbon at Hagelbon on Twitter. Oh, wow. I, I feel like I feel like the little <laughs> clubbers know who they're going to follow. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to I don't want to get in bad with Clubber Army. Um, well, good night, Liv. Good night. listening to no cartridge if you'd like to support us further please consider going to patreon.com slash no cartridge or for a one-time donation paypal.me slash hagelbon h-e-g-e-l-b-o-n it's really really helpful for all of us to be able to support uh the many people who make the show uh you know myself included but also our producers and various co-hosts um and and writers and artists thank you so much for listening Please remember to like, subscribe, share, any of those things that would let other people get the quality video game analysis that you've grown accustomed to.